Hello, everybody. Howdy. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. Back for episode 39 of AB Testing. Welcome back. I remember the number. Right? Yeah. Because Brent wrote it on the board. Yeah, it helps. It, it does help. It does help. So ask me where I've been, Brent. Where have you been, I Alan? I just got back last night. I flew back from Waterloo, and boy, are my arms tired. Ha ha. bum No, uh... I went to Waterloo. Do you know where Waterloo is? No. It's Canada. Eh? There's a Tim Hortons right next to it? Of course there is. <laughs> Waterloo is about, about an hour drive west of Toronto. So I flew into Toronto, drove to Waterloo, parked my car where it stayed till I drove back to the airport. But in between there, I had dinner with the board of KWSQA, and then I gave a talk uh, to a sold-out hundred-ish group of uh, software quality professionals. Sold out. Area. Look at you raking in the testing cash. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's all on paper money, but um, it was a good time. I, is, that, is that how you afforded all this fancy new equipment you got brought in today? Oh, so Brent just wants to change the subject and go... Um, happy 39th birthday to uh, AB Testing. I bought us a new mixer. So whether you can actually hear us after this podcast is um, uh, we will find out because I don't know if that will work or not. Hey, what's this button do, Alan? Don't push any buttons because normally when I get a new piece of audio equipment, I will take time to learn it and make sure I understand what all the buttons do. And um, although I've had mixers similar to this in the past. Uh, let me make sure. Yes, I'm actually recording on. I just thought this brief nightmare. Like I had set it up to record and then like left the um, program recording off of the laptop microphone, but I didn't. So we're actually <laughs> recording off these microphones. So um, anyway, the subject was I was talking about Waterloo where I had a great time. I knew there was a lot of tech there. I know Microsoft has recruited a lot from University of Waterloo there because they have a great program where they do lots of internships. Yep. Which is super valuable. And anyway, I didn't realize how much tech was there. They have like 200 startups there and all kinds of tech. There's this huge uh, physics building next to the hotel where I stayed. Anyway, pretty cool town. I liked it. And I gave a talk that was similar to, I think I'm probably going to give an evolution of these talks, I imagine, over the next few years. And it will go into our topic today, but sort of what is the role of testers in this new world of software development, whether it's agile testing, whether it's testing without developers. Uh, Sometimes I feel really good about what I'm doing. Sometimes, as you know, I'm frustrated with uh, I feel like our team could be more agile than it is. Yep. But uh, then I look at it from the (coughs) delivering value, delivering frequent customer value at a sustainable pace. And we managed to do that despite the fact that we do things that I don't feel very agile-ish about. So um, it depends a little bit how you look at it. But anyway, I'm uh, sharing a bunch of stories about what I do, what's worked for me, what's done, what to worry about, what not to worry about. I asked a question at the beginning, like, how many of you are testers? All the hands go up. How many of you are here because you're afraid, because like, you think I'm going to tell you how your job's going to go away, and all the hands go up? And and by the end, they're going, okay, I don't feel so bad. I kind of get where I fit in in this new world, which is, I think, a great gospel to share. Yeah, you – It was that, that's not the same presentation. Was it the same presentation you did for what was no, it? No, I, I cannot give the same presentation in a row. So it's I, – what I do is I, I wanted to give a variation of that talk. Yep. So I got 
excuse me, got rid of about half the slides, added another half to, f- to fill in, and let it evolve that way. I believe. I, I, in, I believe the, in evolution. Uh, a lot of the same ideas come out, but I like. I can't like give the same talk. I've done it before internally at Microsoft when I used to teach things like at Neo and classes and things. But I don't like to give the same presentation twice because uh, it gets stale for me fast. So I like to always change it, and not just a little. I like to change it, you know, at least 25, if not 50%, if I'm going to give something sort of in the same topic. And as I learn more and as There's I do more things... There's some consistency, no, I, right, I, but yeah. I, I think, to me, it's just like... So- the, the same principles I apply to software work. I want to evolve. I want to iterate. I want to make. I want to throw out what didn't work and add what I think will work before, and listen and learn from that. Completely agree. There's a. Of course you do, because I'm right. <laughs> there's a agile onboarding deck that I've been carrying around with me for the last five years, and um, every presentation I go through, I am happy to say that it's now at a point where I essentially do minor tweaks. Uh, the, the onboarding process is very similar to going through a class, right? I, it, it's um, You got to talk about the same things. You got to say the same reasons why. Uh, essentially, the only differences I do now with this deck is I change the stories. Yeah, and it, we're always getting new stories. Right. There's new ex- and not even just stories, even experiences, and I like sharing those. So a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. What? With the forum being sort of me going to Waterloo and and, right. and, and the reference to the musical. Are you catching on here? No. No. <laughs> Brent, someday I'll introduce you to culture. Good luck with that. Many have tried before. <laughs> I'm still trying to work on getting into soccer. And thank that you. That should we'll, be an easier one we'll for you. We'll see you next time on <laughs> God. Oh, my, 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 my. So um, I was uh, – Hey, do you, don't you have uh, another conference coming up? I do. I oh, do. Tell us about that. <laughs> I'll be at Better Software in Las Vegas. Oh, sweet. Um, Are you a gambler? No, I'm not at all. Is it because you don't know the games? No, I know the games. I just like money. Oh, okay. I don't like losing it. What I don't you, like. I don't like to pretend that. What I, you need to do is go. Is, you go buy chips. You're buying chips. Yeah, and then I give them to the guy with the cards. And then it's not <laughs> money anymore. You're losing <laughs> chips. <laughs> uh, no, I'm really not interested. I. Um, Often won't gamble at all. Uh, sometimes I'll play. I'll be very careful to walk up to the the lowest wage blackjack table I can find, and I'll play for like twenty minutes and walk away just a little poorer than I came. But I'm not. I'm not really into gambling. I, I, I'm too. I, I really like holding on to my money versus just giving it away to people for um, uh, a brief, a very brief amount of entertainment. Yeah, I think, I'd- man, I could have went and saw Deadpool again for that much money. Would have lasted longer. Hey, I finally seen Deadpool. Deadpool, really? <laughs> that was really funny. Okay, so um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm going to the Better Software Conference. That's like the first Monday in June. I'm giving a uh, a workshop on <laughs> A/B testing or experimentation. Okay. Uh, I have some good information for that. I, f- I feel pretty good about that. About filling my time and having some good information. 
Uh, I'm not going to give away all the secrets today. No, was you. the last time you did this a, a, a workshop format? No, last time, last year, about a year ago, I got a call. It was less than a year ago because I got mail that said pretty much something. Hey, are you free next Thursday to give a presentation in Las Vegas? This was on like, you know, Friday. I said, mm-hmm. um, okay. So I went down and gave – someone had canceled and I went down and filled in and gave a presentation on A-B testing. Okay. Uh, one thing about Seattle to Vegas, direct flights, about 25 a day. Easy to get there and back. Uh, and apparently went well enough that uh, Mr. Copeland uh, called and said, hey, so next year, how about a workshop? Same topic. I said, sure. So here we are. All right. Shall we get to the topic of the day? We should. So remember when I remember like a half hour ago when I was about to go into a new subject and you distracted me? Yeah, it's not While hard. I was there, I was checking Waterloo. out the Twitterverse. While I was in Waterloo, I was checking out the Twitterverse, as I, I don't often do these days, but do when I'm traveling to see what's going on. And there was... A tweet. I, there was a tweet, and I, I'm going to get into... I was going to dance around for the for the beginning i'll dance around you know context but we'll have to get into it there was a tweet from another uh small workshop conference um where wait, some, wait first and foremost do you without explaining it do you know the context yes there was a conference on a, a, a peer conference on reinventing testing okay um by james bach okay i'm gonna go ahead and use names up at and i'll get into the rest later up at uh i think it was placed in orcas island and there was one slide that was controversial. So while it could have been, <laughs> well, it could have been just contained within the workshop, uh, Matt Heuser, for um, uh, reasons, I think, to stir up controversy or to just share it with the world or to share his thoughts, took a picture of it and tweeted it. And I looked at it and I thought, what the front door? <laughs> is very interesting so it was i don't want to go into a lot of i want to i want to try and just look at the facts here and my experiences and how they relate to the bullet points versus i think there's a lot of psychology that i could go into why james put these bullet points on the slide because i think james is really smart and i like him and the only thing i'm going to say is it's it slide comes across as very defensive um and out without context in many cases. So I again, I, not a slam on James. Nope. I, I, and thanks, Matt, for posting it. Um, I'm sure. I'm not sure how James feels about that now that the controversy is rolling. But I do want to talk about the bullet points on the slide. So uh, if you haven't seen it, you can go find it. Look for the. And what was really weird is the "Make Testing Great Again" tag. Is a it's a little too Trump-like and made things a little awkward for me. <laughs> but Actually, can we start with that? Sure, sure. Make right, because it's make testing great again. When you read that literally, make testing great again. Right? I don't think there's anyone, well, at least in my mind, <clears throat> there's no one that's going to disagree with that. When you look at it, Literally. Now, I, I suspect that the intent behind that hashtag is make testers great again. 
I don't. I don't want to. I think it's unfair of us for to dissect the words and go into intent. No. What I want to do is there's. So for me, this is relatively context free. All right. Okay. I'll let you continue. And what I want to really what I want to address uh, is look at this uh, sort of visually on on its face. What is from our point of view, the most likely interpretation of the intent here, uh, as well as what is what would be the most respectful interpretation of okay, this. Okay, so spit it out. That, so for me, making testing great again, uh, I, I know most, or the, the three will know that uh, we are supportive of Unified engineering, we are supportive of agile practices. We are uh, not necessarily, I, I know I'm, I, I don't want to speak for you here, but I am definitely not supportive of a large dedicated uh, testing, uh, tester uh, individuals that all they do. Um, but the hashtag says test Dean, and I am definitely supportive of testing improvements. But I believe that those efforts uh, need to be moved up the stack. I, need, I believe Dev needs to be trained on these things, and that's how we achieve making testing great again. One but, of the things, uh, that was a lot of words to not say very much. I said a whole bunch of things. Okay, all right. So one of the things I tweeted in, resp- in some tweets term about this was that I'm working with some of the best testers I've worked with in my 20 years, 25 years of testing. They're just not called that. Right. <gasps> yeah, it's true. The um, – yeah, the, the, the other thing when I, when I first look at this, right, it, it, I like that line. Um, it reminds me of our presentation at Redfin, where uh, one of the questions that got asked us is, is in my view, this sort of old school, archaic uh, question of, well, isn't it true that if devs test their own code, they can't maintain objectivity, right? And I'm, no, it's not true. That is actually, that's a myth. And that's, uh, <laughs> And some people would say that the op- that that the opposite is a myth. There's a big that's a controversy. It's a disagreement. Software testing is not a field without controversy. Yeah, it. So, so for for 22 years now, I guess I've been dealing with um, even when I was in test, right? I've been dealing with the questions around: Is a great tester uh, born or made? Whatever. Right. So I want to get past the make testing great tag go ahead. actually talk about the slide go ahead so i'm gonna uh let's have a discussion on the title and the bullet points hopefully not too philosophical or long but just kind of see what they mean to you how they resonate with you so the title of the slide it says this is the premise the mm-hmm. theme in the agile world there's an ongoing and long-standing attack on the testing role so um, I, you want to start yes go ahead and no so i look at that and i go no, there's not. But in a way, there is a little bit. There was one of the uh, one of the books on Agile. 
had a chapter on manual testing. And the chapter said, and I'm paraphrasing here, it could have been called, I think it was manual testing. And it was just one page that said, don't do it. <laughs> and it was tongue in cheek. And, and it, one thing, and I'm paraphrasing, someone will correct me and it's fine, but you get the idea. Uh, the ag- any book on Agile or any, actually this podcast, anything I say, anything you read in a book, anything you hear anyone say, it is not a blueprint to tell you how to do everything. Context always matters. Whether you're in the context-driven community or not, you have to be driven by context. So so when I read books on testing, I found plenty of stupid things. Didn't mean testing was stupid. means there were some stupid things in there. Same things happens in all the literature on Agile. Uh, so there have been jabs at not testing, not the testing activity, but j- little jabs at the tester role, maybe. Do we need a team dedicated to doing testing? So I, I can see a little bit where that's coming from. But for me, no. I think in my experience in Agile, um, testing has been, uh, for the most part, embraced. Sometimes briefly forgotten, but then quickly remembered. To me, when I look at that, I, I, I think of other industries that have gone through transition, right? Um, in the auto manufacturing world, there has been an uh, ongoing and long-standing attack on horse trainers, right? If you think back to the 1800s and, and when the automobile was introduced, and um, similar <clears throat> in, in Detroit when, when assembly lines uh, start getting robots added to it. No, not automation. Automation will take our jobs away. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and actually, that no, that's a very good point because that's that leads us straight to <laughs> manual versus automated testing. Right. Like um, I said, testing is not a world without controversy. No, it's the world. Any time there is a change in which the world uh, is is moving toward, this is a better practice. One of the points I made in uh, it reminds me that I will continue to make. I made it up at Waterloo. Is I just what I said a minute ago. Testing is not without controversy. Whether it's manual versus automated, exploratory versus scripted, testers versus no testers, titles. Uh, you can do a couple things with that. You can either deny it and tell the world that this change is stupid and it and it's confrontational, or you can figure out what it means for you. How does that change me? And anytime I look at a sufficiently complex problem, mm-hmm. I will look at one technique I love is look at extremes. What would it look like if we automated everything? What would, what would we do? The, ba- the gains, the benefits, as well as the drawbacks and losses. And also, what if we automated nothing? What if we did everything without automation? What would happen there? And the answer is somewhere in between. And depending on the product and the context and how often you're shipping, those things are going to happen. The Where that slider is between those two is going to be in a different spot. Yep. And it's the same thing here in the world with, you know, are we – what would it be if we had no testers versus a massive one-to-one or even larger test-to-dev ratio? Look at the pros and cons, figure out where that line is. There are lots of inefficiencies there. So that's going back to my topic from Waterloo and away from the topic on the page here. But um, I think this first bullet point I'm going to go ahead and read because I think it's – and then let you finish because it will, it will relate to the title. 
Yeah. It says Agile was not created by testers or with testers. It's a programmer's utopian vision. So what is what's your takeaway on that? Um I agree with the first sentence. I don't necessarily agree with the second. Agile was was around before the manifesto was around. Right? It was a a large number of uh people seeing similar practices, working through similar things and they said, "Hey, let's get together and and knowledge share." Right? Now, <clears throat> The the this entire slide is is sort of filled with um, controversial terms meant to inspire emotion towards uh, the point that the the author is making. The the just because Agile was created by or not created with testers. Um, we are to believe that that is sufficient to prove that it was a programmer's utopian vision, right? And and right, and you use the word utopia to, to sort of imply that this is a dreamlike state that's never achievable. And like, when, when I look at this slide, we talked about this on the podcast, and and if I had realized that. Um, we now had the ability to bring in the third mic. I would have invited uh, Jeffrey Weston to join us today uh, so that we could, as we go through the slide, also have a brief lesson on fallacies. <laughs> um, the, the, the thing that actually puzzles me about this slide is uh, Bach is well known in – the testing world as a grandiose systems thinker, mm-hmm. right? And, I, but I this, slide, this slide, without any context, now, and I want to say one thing, one thing uh, very clearly. I don't suspect this happened, but if the slide that came after this just said the word not – well, then, then I'm like, okay, I get the point you're trying to make. That, that is a worthwhile comment to make. I don't know if you ever read the Lessons in Software Testing book. I have. But, but one of the things they don't did ask in me there to quote anything from is, it is they would have they would say blah is good on one page, next page blah is bad, just showing context. So that very well could have happened. So right. we don't know that. We don't. We're out of context. All right. So, um, I don't think it's utopian. I think it was, you know, ad, the manifesto came about. There were some developers who were doing some lightweight development techniques who wanted to figure out, can we, they're just trying to get rid of inefficiencies. To me, anything that gets rid of inefficiencies, I'm a big fan of theory of constraints. I think agile and theory yes. of constraints work well together. It's about identifying what's the bottleneck. Let's mitigate it enough where it's not a bottleneck. Let's move forward. And agile is about eliminating some of the bottlenecks and finding some of the things that work well and finding ways to make them better. It is not a playbook. It is not a, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, you're talking about utopian being a word that, that makes it, that adds drama here. The right. fact that they call the, the principles of, not the principles of Agile, they call it the Agile Manifesto. The principles are different. But right. the manifesto sort of mentally conjures some of those same images. It's easy to push back on something that's called the manifesto. Well, and, and I've, I've talked about it on the, the podcast before. I'm not going to go deep, but 
as you well know, I am not a supporter of the manifesto. I, it, it, it encourages people to just go look at one page and go, oh, I get Agile. And Agile is far more complex than the waterfall model. It's a lot of moving parts. It's primarily a principle-driven. Yes, um, absolutely. I don't even know if calling it a principle-driven framework is even correct because how do you have a framework with principles? But as you call out correctly, it's about consistently identifying and eliminating waste. The other thing uh, on this, this first bullet point Right, the uh, ex- why is it a problem? Right, it, it, that's that's the thing that I ask myself upon reading this bullet point. So what? Right, the the one thing, and we talked about Reinertsen's book. If you go into look at Reinertsen's book, and you want to understand the details about why they made that decision, right? This is trying to lead us to believe that a bunch of programmers got in a room and they said, how do we screw over test? No, that is not what they did. They said, how do we build better software faster to compete? They were looking at what is the better practices that get rid of waste that adds value. So it isn't, in my view, like if we want to talk about testing, it isn't about making testing great again. If we want to have individual tester roles, then what we need to do is make those roles valuable again. Sure. Okay. I'm done with that rant. Go to the next one. It is frequently said that Agile discourages specialists. A specialist tester – a specialist seems to be defined as anyone who does not specialize in programming. Agile definitely discourages specialists. So when I think of specialist, I guess – I. When I see specialists, I think of the generalizing specialist or the specializing generalist, which is different than the specialist. You're correct. So I guess in that sense, it's correct. But yeah. I believe that so – But take, the next sentence, I think I know where you're going and I think I agree with you. So shoot it out. A specialist seems to be defined as anyone who does not specialize in programming. And that is not true. An agile team is made up of these – T-shaped personas, to use the term most often used in Agile, and you know, fit together to make sure that the sum of everyone can, can do all the parts. Yep. A team full of specialists is very difficult to do that. Um, someone who is solely a testing specialist, you have to provide a lot of value. And generally, someone who's smart enough to be a, a really good testing specialist also has the breadth they can fit in well with an Agile team. The other thing I'm going to call out the, the thing I find wrong with this is I don't think a traditional testing role is a specialist. I think they're a generalist. Now, it's still correct in that, as, as we have said on the podcast repeatedly, we don't like either of these. We don't like pure generalists and we don't like pure specialists. Um, and as, as sort of hand-wavy proof uh, of my point of view, I'll, I'll point to your deck, right? Any place where you have a role where the individual is responsible for doing the remainder of the, the stuff that no one else wants to do, 
That, in my view, is the definition of a generalist. And that's traditionally what test has done. Program management has – or project management yep. has defined what the project is. Programmers write the code. And then the remainder is done by the test team. And that can be a lot of different things. There's definitely specialization when we talk about automation. Sure. Right. Um, dev. And there's, and there's over-specialization. Some people – I've – I knew a lot of testers at Microsoft who wrote functional tests eight or nine hours a day, every day for their whole career. Um, is that testing? Ish, but it's a very, it's very deep specialization. Those people um, are either not here anymore or actually many of them turn into pretty good programmers, developers. One of the earliest works on Agile, the XP white book, uh, claimed that no one likes to do testing. This set the tone ever since. So I'm going to go back to the comment I made earlier about the uh, – the um, again, every sentence starts with a, a truth and then ends with a huh. So two sentences. First sentence, yes, yes the XP white book said that. I can't dispute it. Um, but just because it's written down doesn't mean it's – you have to follow it. And then I disbelieve that it has set the tone ever since. There have been plenty of things that have happened – all over in the Agile and outside of the Agile world that have set the tone for testing not being exciting. That is not the fault of Agile. We've talked about this on a... On a I'm going to make you drink every time you say we've talked about this. I'm bringing in tequila shots for number 40. Okay. <sighs> you have... Okay. <laughs> What's that point again? One of the earliest works on Agile, the XP White Book, claimed that no one likes to do testing. This set the tone ever since. We've talked about it. I've blogged about it, uh, the history of test. One of the, if we want to talk about the history lesson, then let's talk about how test got developed. It's actually in your, uh, in yeah. some degree, it's in your presentation. There's one aspect I think you're missing. And, but Probably maybe, not. Maybe I'm, you I'm usually right. How did test get? How did the testing role get created? At least as it relates to Microsoft, right? It's hey, we can hire this cheap guy to do the crap we don't want to do. Yeah, right. So that's pretty much it. It. it um, this XP book did not invent this concept. This concept has been around ever since. The, the dev test codependency loop began to get constructed. Correct. Um, now, does uh, – so in, in one regard, you could say the Agile community, if it is a, a community of programmers, said, you know what? Yes, we created this role. We made a mistake. We're going to take it back. Okay? Uh, that's one way of looking at it. Okay, the next one um, I'm just going to read and move on because I wasn't there, so I can't comment. Uh, 2004 Agile Fusion Conference collapsed in acrimony when Brian Merrick claimed that testing is only reluctantly about finding bugs. And Bach and Kem Kaner vigorously objected. So I don't know if it collapsed. Again, I wasn't there. I don't know. Testing is only reluctantly about finding bugs. And... I'm not sure I entirely disagree with that, but yeah, I'm not going to debate that. I've often said that finding bugs is sort of the, the side effect of doing the testing job, so I'm not sure if that's the same thing or not. And then this event, this is like, <laughs> then we kicked him out. This event marked the exit of Brian Merrick from the context-driven testing community. Um, so it's, 
I think that was uh, – I'm not sure how to read that one. I just kind of want to move on. Do you want to add anything on that? Yeah. Uh, Brent's making a face. Complete non – you know, thanks for that information, but it's a complete non sequitur. Yeah. So moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, the most popular book on agile testing by Crispin – actually, it's by Crispin and Gregory um, – is not cited or thought of as a testing book among testing specialists. It barely discusses testing. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, you're friends with Lisa, so so I I like to consider myself um, one of my specialties to be testing. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book on it. Um, it's obsolete. I've mentioned before, but uh, I wrote a book about it. I consider myself a specialist in testing, and um, I I like the books. I especially like the second one. The second one has a lot more testing goodness in it. The second uh, edition, the, yeah. The, it, no, it's called More Agile Testing. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of guest writers in there. It's a they're really good books. I consider them I, – I recommend them often. People – when I talk to teens about having a no-tester rule, I say, go read this book. See how it figures out. It's, there's lots of great information there. I don't know why – it depends on context because James may not consider me to be a testing specialist. Among his peers that are testing specialists, maybe they don't know about the book or like it. But I think if I consider my peers who are testing specialists, most of them do know about it and do appreciate it. The – I don't have to drink. So I think this comes back to sort of um, one of the discussions on CDT and their their point of view of how the world turns. And it, and it kind of – for something that is context-driven, uh, their view is some is incredibly static around is this testing or is this not, right? The And then – the thing is, so I have read Lisa's book. Unfortunately, I don't recall much from it. Um, I read it years ago when I was going through my own self-training on Agile, and I wanted to get a better sense of how Agile worked in a multiple discipline uh, scrum teams. And Lisa's book... Uh, does give great insights. Her point, as I recall, and please correct me because I'm sure you remember this better than I do, even though the book is titled Agile Testing, and, and I'll go ahead and agree with that it barely discusses testing, and I'll say that's not the point of her book. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. There, there's plenty of books on testing. The value add that Lisa brought into this is essentially, hey, this agile thing is a better way to go. And she's actually attempting to actually make testing great again or to reduce the losses given Agile is an unstoppable force at this point in time, right? The, the world is not going to go back to these long delivery cycles. The world is not going to go back to, to the – like the, the, if you want to talk about who's making the greatest attack on testing, it's data science and telemetry, Right. We, we now can measure the ROI of things. We now can very rapidly get actual customer feedback. We don't need 
artificial advocates in the front of it. So, yes, in many ways, yes. And I want to actually play devil's advocate for James and his community because, again, I have nothing against James. I think it's important to talk about these in the context of A-B testing, these bullet points on this slide and kind of what our testing world is. But if you think of our testing world, the reason we're opposing these bullet points is because we live in a different testing world than James Bach and his peers. I think a lot of his projects, I have to assume, again, I'm not in, I, I, I don't get to look over his shoulder, um, but I think he does work in a lot of, we get software at the end. If you think of, you're working with companies where it's an IT company, you're getting software at the, you know, here's the software, make sure it works. Doing that rapid software testing, like you have two days, to let us know whether it's okay to go to customers. Um, the things he teaches in his world is really good at finding those key issues at that point. We just don't live in a world where we're going to do that. We, we live in a world of high daily quality versus let's, let's try and make sure quality is really no, good at the end. Here's, in, in, here's something we have talked about recently. One of the things that um, now I'm super conscientious about having talked about that recently. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to help my peers improve. <laughs> um. You and I have been talking about these sorts of topics for at least six years. And we have seen Microsoft go through a massive transformation. Uh, one that I'm very pleased with. That we're not completely done. Um, and I know that you're happy with this trans, uh, transformation as well. And, and, but we also know uh, we also know that most of our uh, the the people who are one of the three, right, they we know that for the most part they don't live in that world. But one of the things that that I have observed is when I talk to these guys or I tweet them or we we chat on the Slack channel, um, they're now at a place where we were three years ago where there's this sense that it is coming, it is real, and it's hit their company. So there's this, um, right, uh, we've had multiple conversations uh, with other, other folks. Uh, I remember one time you, you pulled together an Agile panel, you asked me to speak on it, uh, for test and uh, when test was still here at Microsoft and there was a lot of anxiety around this is a threat to my job hidden behind this is a threat to quality but the, when you when you just scratch the surface and didn't take much to to get there it's really this is the threat to my well-being yeah and I remember as early as it's funny I, I remember this and recalled this at uh, in Waterloo but as early as maybe 2005 or so, I was asked to come talk to a team. Uh, I did a lot of that at that time uh, where they said, hey, we are – our team's doing Agile and we're not sure what our test team should do. It wasn't – I hadn't done I, – I knew about Agile then. I didn't – Lisa's book wasn't out. didn't really have any ideas. But in talking to them, the, the answer emerged quickly. It's like one of the best things you can do. Is it help define what done is and make sure that make sure that done happens. So right. when you think of that testing role or that quality role within an agile team, it's uh, there's a lot of coaching and training of developers on what testing needs to be done, and and thinking about well what actually gets because when I get that highly daily quality, make sure thing is 
things are done now versus having a coding milestone and a stabilization milestone. It's like, what needs to happen for this to be done? And those things are really important. They like a great value for testers to bring to the table. Of these slides, like this, uh, of all these bullets, right, un- under the, the hypothesis that the context is, hey, everybody, hate Agile because it's coming to steal your jobs. This bullet is the one I find the single most offensive one. Because Lisa is not attacking testing. What Lisa is doing is recognizing testing is a set of outcomes and a set of activities. The world is shifting. We have a bunch of people who are trained and understand how to help make better software in this product. And she is teaching testers how to thrive in this new world. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree completely. She is the defender of making testing great again way more than she is the attacker. All right, and to be clear, it's, it's they because Janet wrote the book too. Right. So I'm but just, she, just, to, just to give credit. This slide calls out Crispin right, directly. Right. Let's do the last bullet point, which is, again, um, a slight non sequitur, but um, just goes into the whole theme of the slide. Yep. TDD and BDD are focused on excuses to be done rather than a sincere inquiry into the status of the product. Yet both are regularly confused with testing. I'm not confused, but I don't know anyone who actually has knows anything other than the definition of TDD and BDD who thinks they're um, a substitute for a larger set of testing. Um, TDD is a design technique for writing unit tests that makes sure you write simple, testable code. Period. Yep. BDD, I love even more behavior-driven development because it makes you think about what the outcomes are of the software, the behaviors of the software before you implement the code. Yes. Um, And I've said before, drink, uh, maybe not on here, (laughs) but to me, the biggest benefit of BDD, there's all kinds, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Gherkin and and BDD frameworks, but the benefit to me, the you get the majority or the, the vast majority of the benefit of behavior-driven development comes from just thinking what are the behaviors that need to happen because it makes you – it helps you scope your code and get write more testable and sensible code. If you want to automate that test, that's great. That's fine. That gives you a nice integration test. But really thinking about the behaviors before you implement the code and then writing the code to make those behaviors work, that is the win. The the thing and this is prevailing and this one like this last bullet point just hits it hard okay both tdd and bdd are regularly confused with testing that's the final point of this bullet point and i i have to say first and foremost that's wrong they are not regularly confused with testing what they are is regularly confused with a better way to reduce risk to the product. The thing I find that troublesome with this last sentence is he's holding true that test testing is inherently valuable. He's holding true that a sincere inquiry into the status of the product is inherently valuable, which isn't to say that I'm disagreeing with it. I'm saying it is not black and white. The, 
we know from uh, uh, many of these conversations and CDD sort of community, there's a point of view that testing's role is to provide information to the business leaders. Okay? If testing's role is to provide information to the business leaders, TDD and BDD is about prioritizing and identifying upfront what information is valuable and incorporating that into the strategy of writing code such that you know upfront and continuously. On development teams that practice TDD and BDD, uh, what you get out of them, in my experience, is code that works pretty well and beyond just the functional level, at the integration level. And then instead of having the world where you give me code and I go, okay, here are the bugs, blah, 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 without even half thinking about it, you give me a product to test. And it's like, okay, now I take my serious inquiring, exploratory system thinking, testing mine, and I have to work hard to find out where the detractors of customer value are. And that that is where we need that skilled specialist tester, but without using some Without putting effort and care into making and programming the software correctly, the testing job, it actually does become something that the moron out of junior high school can do because it's easy to find bugs. Uh, there's a quote, and I'm, it's, it's a quote from this guy named Alan Page, so, but I forget and I'm going to misquote it. But I remember an event you did, or maybe it was a tweet, is that – Bugs should not should be hard to find. I say that all the time. Right. And it, even in the world where there's a mixed role, where, where you have test and dev uh, as distinct specializations within a team, TDD and BDD should be uh, highlighted for this. I can't tell you how many years I've been dealing with these the testers in in a room going, how do we move quality up the stream? How do we help uh, Dev not uh, create all of these bugs? They keep throwing crap across the thing. I'm like, you can't have it both ways. You can't simultaneously say we want to move quality upstream. We shouldn't be finding these low hanging fruit, stupid bugs, and then also bash the key and extremely valuable techniques that does exactly the things that we've been complaining about as a community for decades. Yeah, and if you also, if you say that developers are not capable or they're not objective enough to test their own code, BS, because those types of things, those easy to find, those low-hanging fruit bugs, things they should be finding, and they can use techniques like TDD and BDD to make sure those idiotic bugs, those brain-dead bugs, those stupid bugs that a junior high schooler that my kid in, in junior middle school, sixth grade, could find, actually my daughter in fifth grade could find are found before they get to the, the specialist testers who can then go, Oh, you know, when's the last time you had a product you had to look at and go, it's hard for me to find bugs. That's the kind of stuff we need our skilled testers to do. We don't need, if you want to think of testers as this lower skilled, you know, this, what was the bullet above about setting the tone for no one likes to do testing. No one likes to do boring, repetitive testing. If you give me a testing activity that is hard and I have to mentally strain myself and I feel exhausted at the end, but happy with my work, that's the kind of testing I want to do. That's the kind of testing, testing specialists should do. That's that's reinventing or make testing great again. It's not about this other BS. It's not about setting up boundaries and looking for 
conflicts between communities or processes. It's about making the job challenging and rewarding. Now, I think of this, and, and, and I think of the other James Whitaker. Six years ago, huge controversy, test is dead, right? And I look at this, and I'm like, was it even six years ago? It was longer than that, wasn't it? Yeah, Almost longer. Ten, ten years ago. And, and I look at this, and, he, and he's going, uh, test is dead, right? And, and how do we go after Agile? Like, dude, you don't. Like this stuff – Again, it goes back to what does it mean for me? How does it impact me? It's not an attack and uh, – I know No, Jan- but I, the reason why I spawned this up and I should have actually tied the – or connected the yeah, dots before have. I got into it, right? You, if you want to have this world where you have um, – you said dev and test and dev can't test their code because they're, they're too subjective, right? The thing is, as we've said over and over again – that world ex- is increasingly shrinking, and it is not the dominant part of the world today. You can't – the single most precious asset in software today is calendar time. You can't afford that world where you assume dev is moronic, and that is the business reality, and it is ever increasingly becoming – true in a world near you all right one last thing to say go ahead i'm done good thank you for listening thanks i'm alan i'm brent we'll see you next time bye-bye